You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. Happy Sunday to you. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And my special guest today for the entire show from FanRag Sports, Greg Jewett. Greg, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Al. Yep, always great to have you. And uh, lots of uh, interesting, exciting stuff to break down today. But the big story, I would have to say, is the uh, call-up of Lewis Brinson. So after, uh, I felt like sort of a sluggish first couple of months in terms of prospect call-ups, uh, it's, it's starting to get interesting. So uh, Lewis Brinson up for the Brewers, uh, taking the place of Jonathan VR, who went on the 10 DL with a strained back. Uh, we'll, we'll uh, Greg, you and I will certainly get to talking about Brinson shortly, but uh, a couple of other things to get to as well. Uh, the Phillies have placed Cesar Hernandez on the disabled list with an oblique injury. John Carlos Stanton is out of the Marlins starting lineup for today. Uh, not too much of a surprise there. One day after getting hit in the hand with a pitch, uh, x-rays were negative, so he just has a hand bruise. But uh, Stanton out of the lineup, and you got Ichiro Suzuki in right field for the Marlins. Uh, you've also got the double JT lineup with Riddle and Real Muto going 1-2 there. That's always fun. So, um Greg, what uh, what are your expectations for Brinson? Are you going to go all out on him uh, in your weekly fab, uh, or uh, more restrained and, and wait and see? Uh, you know how how much Brinson plays and, and how he produces. Yeah, I'm curious to see how much uh, Milwaukee's going to play him. He got there late last night. That's why he didn't get into the lineup. It was a it was a very last second uh, promotion. Um, I think this also ties in with how they're going to handle uh, Keon Broxton, who's about four for, I think, his last 48. So he would be the person that could uh, stand to lose if Brinson does get playing time early and makes the most of it. So um, a couple of my teams need speed more, so I'll probably be targeting Malik Smith more and Fab tonight. But uh, Brinson's definitely worth a flyer if he's available in your league. Yeah, and I, I think so. Uh, it, you know, I don't know what sorts of leagues, Greg, uh, you're, you're thinking of here, but I, I mean, I think it's worthwhile to take a flyer on Brinson in, in 12 team. I'm, I'm not, you know, it may take a crazy bid to get him. I'm not sure I'm willing to do that, but I, I think it's at least worth the try in a, in a 12 team mixed. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, well, well, let's get back to just a previous note here with the uh, DL for Cesar Hernandez because that, that in theory, clears up something of a logjam with uh, Howie Kendrick having come off the DL about a week ago. But in the Phillies lineup for today at St. Louis, uh, no Aaron Altair. So you got Daniel Nava in left field going up against Adam Wainwright. So you've, you've got, as you would expect... Um, Kendrick at second base, but nowhere in Altair in the outfield. So, anyways, we got a lot more to break down in terms of the news. Uh, we've got some great hitting and pitching performances and a week 11 preview. So, don't go anywhere. Greg and I will be right back.
Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, the host for this hour. And with me for the whole hour from FanRag Sports is Greg Jewett. And uh, we were just getting warmed up with some of the news items, some of the developments in the Sunday lineups. We'll get to some of that. Uh, but before we get to any of that, uh, it's time to just take a moment and ponder the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app and what it can do for you. You can now take the 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go by downloading the Fantasy Sports Radio app in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill. You can hear Benny Riccardi in your car or Greg Sussman on the subway or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley while you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. Uh, so, Greg, right before the break, I had mentioned uh, the Marlins lineup features two JTs at the top, JT Riddle and JT Real Muto. Uh, but I kind of left out the the obvious implication of that. No D. Gordon today in the starting line for the Marlins. And for the Rockies, no Nolan Arenado. You got Pat Valaika over at third base. Uh, in terms of some other breaking news, uh, Eddie Rosario has been sent down by the Minnesota Twins. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. Randy Rosario. I knew I was going to do that sometime. <laughs> and mix those two up. Uh, to make room for Nick Turley, who's going to uh, start for the Twins today. Um so, uh, Greg, getting back to uh, you know so, some of the things that we were talking about, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, he's also not in the Marlins lineup, but I think I mentioned that before the break, the x-rays on his uh, hand are negative. How do you feel about starting Stanton for week 11? Um, I think he's going to be almost in the same boat with Yohannes uh, Cespedes because, you know, the Mets are going to manage his starts. He's not in the lineup today after hitting a grand slam in game one of the doubleheader Saturday. Um, he, he admitted to the beat writers he's not 100%. And, um, you know, the initial reports on Stan is positive as far as the x-rays, but, you know, even in the article from the beat writer, it mentioned he would be missing days instead of weeks, which is a positive, but... When you see the days with the S on there, it, it might take him till Wednesday or so to return to the lineup. So in a weekly format, it's just going to kind of depend on what you've got left with the attrition of injuries this year. I think most people will probably lean towards playing each of them, but uh, it's just going to depend on what you have available and how deep the rosters are. Yeah, no, makes makes sense. Uh, Manny Machado, another one who's a question mark. He was out again on mm-hmm. Saturday. I believe he is out again today. Just checking the lineup real quick. Yes, he is uh, out. Uh, Ruben Tahad at third base for the Orioles. Um, is he somebody that uh, you could sit for the coming week? It's quite possible. I mean, it's just so hard to read because the teams are really being vague about how injured people are. And then the reports drop at the last minute. I can't. I can't even count the number of times that people that have gone on to the DL like Monday night after lineups lock. It's been a very frustrating year in regards to injuries in that in that regard. Yeah, and I I hear that. It's really cut both ways for me. The starting guys who go on the DL, you know, very quickly after lineup lock, and also not starting players who get activated that I didn't expect to get activated. That happened with me this week with uh, with Alex Wood. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, with all these injuries, you know, both coming and going, it's uh, it's tricky. 
And one more to, to toss at you, Greg, Will Myers, who sat out on Saturday with an illness. And I know typically I think we take that a little less seriously, you know, than when there, there's an injury. But um, would you feel safe putting Will Myers in your lineup for next week? Um, probably, but there's been more of the same deal. I and mean, there's been more than one time a guy, oh, it's a re- illness. And then the next day he's on the DL with some other uh, wrist or, or soft, you know, muscle issue. It's just been, like I said, it's just been so tough this year with the injuries to, to navigate these lineups. But, you know, if you have Myers, I think you have to play him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of that kind of case that you talked about, Greg, that's exactly what happened with Dallas Keuchel. He had the, mm-hmm. the nerve issue in his neck, pinched nerve, and then he came back, but then was scratched due to illness, but back on the DL, again, with the pinched nerve issue. So according to Richard Justice of MLB.com, Keuchel is shut down from throwing for a week, and uh, so he's going to miss at least one or two starts um, due to that uh, pinched nerve issue. So um, obviously, guys, sick Dallas Keuchel this week. Mitch Haniger is expected back uh, today. I will do a quick check here and see. I don't think, yeah, we don't have a Mariners lineup because that's a 4 o'clock no. Eastern start. But that is the expectation that uh, Mitch Haniger will be back. So I would assume if he's back today, he's back in your lineup tomorrow uh, in a weekly league. Mm-hmm. Matt Andree, speaking of back, back on the DL with a, an exacerbation of his groin injury. So where does that put us uh, again now with Jacob Feria? Is he uh, somebody who, if he's, he's still out there, that now you go get him? Uh, can we even safely assume that uh, he's he's back in the Rays rotation? Uh, I think you can probably stream him for the next couple of you know next couple of weeks with the uh, with the thoughts that Andrews will be on there. But you know, same deal. You never really know what the teams are thinking. But uh, with Brinson coming up, you got to start thinking the Super Two date might be. Uh, lasting so teams can be more willing to bring these guys up. So um, I'd be willing to take a chance with Faria, especially with his uh, strong debut. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, get moving on to closers. Uh, Coda Glover tweaked his back showering yesterday and then came in, decided to pitch through that back issue, blew the save against the Rangers. So what do you make now? I mean, the, the Nationals have been in the news lately anyways, in terms of potentially targeting Kelvin Herrera, they've been, you know, on again, off again, you know, rumored about pursuing David Robertson. I mean, is there anybody there at this point um, that you trust to, to get saves in the Nationals bullpen? Oh, this is such a hard one because I did favor <laughs> Glover in the preseason, but it's just been so wonky. Um, I do have Glover in my home league, but I also picked up Brock and a couple other guys during in-season so I'll probably put him on the bench this week. So that means he'll save three to four games for the folks that ride it out with him. <laughs> That's going to be a new feature. You tell us who you're, you're you know, you're starting and sitting and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll do the opposite, which I, I actually think, I know it seems like that for all of us, you know, that we have this, you know, jinx uh, power, but. I sincerely doubt that's uh, that's what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Pirates made a couple of moves. Neither one, I think, very surprising. They sent down Tyler Glass now, who in his last start was was not effective yet again. And uh, Jamison Tyone, I will say to me, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, this would have been a huge surprise to see him back so quickly. But he's just really zoomed through his recovery from uh, surgery for testicular cancer. And Tyone's going to start on Monday. So uh, you, you feel uh, ready to put him back in your rotation? Uh, at this point, I think you have to. And, and 
you know, congrats to him. You know, sometimes we get caught up in the fantasy stuff, but <clears throat> that's a terrific story for Tyone uh, battling the cancer and coming back so fast. Uh, one of my former students battled leukemia, and he's a hero of mine. So kudos to Tyone. I'll, I'll, I'll put him in the lineup, and I'll be cheering for him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Great, great story. Um, and I, again, you know, I'm just amazed how quickly he's he's back. Uh, now, you mentioned earlier, you know, in a Cespedes, that's kind of a, a, a funny situation because, like you say, he he's not ready to play every day, but he sure he looked ready on Saturday hitting a grand slam uh, against the Braves, uh, two hits uh, in that day. So mm-hmm. uh, I know you said it's it's a tough question about whether or not to start Cespedes, but which way are, would you be leaning at this point? Um, I'm probably going to, well, the nice thing is in two of the leagues, I own them, it's a day-to-day roster. So I can kind of check the lineups and manage it. But in the, in the one weekly league where I own him, it's an 18 team league. So I'm going to activate him just because I need his bat in there. You know, I, I like Lonnie Chisholm and all, but the Indians are facing a heavy left-handed lineup this week. So I'd rather have four games of Cespedes than three games of Chisholm Hall. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that to me would be an easy one. Um, but yeah, I think in a shallower league, if it's a weekly situation, uh, as tempting as it is, and seeing that you know he's right off the bat able to produce power, I think I would give him a week. Uh, but again, we're we're talking mm-hmm. pretty shallow, shallow leagues where I'd give him a week to just uh, you know see how much he plays and and how well he produces. Um, player that I've I've been getting a little bit of uh, questioning about, uh, interest on uh, in terms of tw- you know Twitter feedback. Jose Perella, and uh, he's not been up very long, just uh, played in five games so far, but he's he's really made it count. He's nine for 18 in those games. And on Saturday against the Royals, a big game, three for five with a home run and a double. And coming off of a, a breakout uh, at AAA El Paso, batting 331 with 13 homers and eight steals. Stolen bases aren't a big surprise for Perella, but but the power certainly is. Uh, what type of league would you pursue Perella uh, for your weekly fab? Uh, definitely 15 or higher, 12, I would say only if you were looking for uh, a two-week fill-in for uh, Hernandez, depending on uh, who's who's available on there. But, you know, if he's going to keep hitting leadoff, he definitely has more interest. I, I've had a couple questions about him as well, so really depends on the depth. 10 and below, no. Yeah, and I like the time with Hernandez. Yeah, because second base is not the deepest position so, so far this year. Anyway, more standout performances from Saturday to go over, so stick around. We will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. With me today for the hour, also from FanRag Sports, Greg Jewett. And uh, Greg, uh, a couple of uh, notes in terms of lineups and weather and all that. Uh, as far as the weather goes, uh, it looks like a beautiful day everywhere today. No uh, major chances of precipitation anywhere, so that you can rest easy in terms of setting your daily lineups. But also a consideration for setting your daily lineups. Um, I, every Saturday, I, I write uh, for FanRag a, a piece called Sunday Streamers, uh, where I take a look at pitchers that you should start or sit based on your category needs. And I had a really, really hard time today finding a starter that is available that could help people with strikeouts. Plenty of starters who are you know, universally owned that could help people. But um, 
you know, one name that I zeroed in on, and when I wrote the piece, it wasn't a, a given he was going to start yet, but Chad Green, who's having you know really nice season so far out of the bullpen, making his first start, only uh, going to have about 50 pitches to give. Um, so ultimately, I settled on Denelson Lamette uh, as the best bet for strikeouts. He's up against the Royals. But, uh, you know, Green on, on 50 pitches, you think there's enough there? If you just needed a, a you know, little boost in strikeouts to get over the top, is, is it even worth it for Chad Green? Uh, it could be. It helps with Machado not in the lineup. He did get uh, five strikeouts, I believe, in 3.1 innings of relief the other day. So, you know, he, he could give you, a, you know, I would say maybe six in his 50 pitches, but that's, you know, I'm sure it's not a hard 50. I'm sure they'll monitor how he's been doing in the game and how stressful they are, but, uh, you know, they're talking about piggybacking him up with uh, Herman too, from uh, up from the minors, so they're going to try and get six innings out of those two guys would be my bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's, I think that's a, probably the best-case scenario, but, yeah, it's just it's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. dilemma when you're – if you need strikeouts, it's really tough to, uh, you know, to see where you might be able to, to get them. Uh, you know, another potential source could be David Paulino, but he's got one of the worst possible strikeout matchups available in terms of going up against the Angels. So tough mm-hmm. call there, um, you know, if you're still able to maneuver your roster uh, for your, your daily lineup leagues. But um, – Getting back to yesterday's games, uh, the two home run performance of the day, because there seems to be at least one every day, belonged to Lorenzo Cain. He now has six home runs on the season. Uh, he had three hits in total and moved his batting average up to 269. Um, now, I know Cain is, is not somebody you're likely to be able to pick up in just about any league, but he's far from universally started, and I haven't heard a whole lot of, of analysis of him as a buy-low candidate. So maybe that window's closed already with a, a big game there, but have we not been paying enough attention to the, the value, potential value of Lorenzo Cain? Um, I totally agree with you. You know, I, I looked at his numbers a little more, more closely when you had him on the notes, and, you know, there's his bat is 31 points below his career average, and when he had... Uh, last season so there's definitely room for growth in the batting average and right now his six home runs and 12 stolen bases are almost the exact same pace that he had in 2015 he's pacing for 16 home runs and 32 stolen bases I think anybody that drafted Kane this year in the preseason would have signed up for that uh, going in even if there was a little bit of regression in batting average I mean if he hits even if he doesn't improve an average and hits say 270 with those numbers I, I would definitely be on board with that this year yeah, you know, that was my thinking, too, uh, exactly that. Uh, it, just for the pace that he's on, it, it would seem like uh, there would have been a, a little more, uh, I don't know, I would be hearing more, you know, whether it was uh, social media or mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, the media in general about uh, Kane's value. But again, now that, that window, if it's not shut, it's certainly uh, closer to shut now after a three-hit, two-home run game. The other thing that I think, you know, and maybe something that you can exploit still at this point is concern over run production in that uh, Royals lineup. But you know, I think Kane is could be one of the prime candidates to be moved uh, at mm-hmm. the deadline. So you know, I think you could you could kind of play into that that you know, oh well, you know, okay, even if he's back up to top form in terms of power and speed, you know, how how many runs is is Kane really going to be able to score? Um, but you know, he may not be a Royal the rest of the season. So I don't know if that's, you know, 
don't know. I, I think it's a, it's a risk worth taking if you can get them at some sort of discount still. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yonder Alonso just keeps uh, cranking. He, uh, over a double header, got seven hits. So I want to oversell it. was not a seven-hit day in one game. But still seven for ten with a pair of doubles uh, against the Rays for Alonso. Um, I'm not sure what more there is to say there other than he just he just keeps going and keeps keeping pace with a uh, a very much improved field of first baseman. But you could say the same thing about Mark Reynolds, who went four for five with his 17th home run and his eighth double against the Cubs on Saturday. And I I definitely heard a lot of skepticism about Reynolds, about his ability to keep up this pace, about his ability to maintain steady playing time when uh, whenever David Dahl comes back. And yet he keeps playing, he keeps hitting. Um, I mean, is, is there any reason at this point to be worried about Mark Reynolds? Well, especially with Dahl running into more, you know, problems during his rehab. I mean, this could be a completely lost season for him. Um, we'll have to see how it goes. He can still get back in the second half, but I'm losing a lot more faith. You know, a little props here. Uh, I was way down on Dahl coming into the year. It had nothing really to do with the injury. I just thought he was getting a little too much hype. And now uh, anyone that spent that draft pick on him, you know, you're you're, you're paying for it. But anywho, uh, Reynolds, you know, I think we forget. And, and there's probably the same bias. You know, people got burned by Kane last year. You know, there was a time Reynolds hit 44, 32, and 37 home runs between the years of 2009 and 2011. So, I mean, he does own some of these power skills. I just, you know, it's hard to explain. 17 home runs this year in 60 games. He had 14 last year in 118 and 13 in 140 in 2015. He's huge spike in the home run fly ball ratio to 32% this year up, I mean, doubling last year's total. Um, he has cut down his infield fly ball percentage. I, I can't explain it. I mean, the hard contact's up some, but not to a point where you think it would uh, support this. So, I mean, you think the power is going to tail off, but he just keeps on hitting. So, I don't know what to do with Reynolds. What do you think? Uh, I I'm all in. I am all in on Reynolds, and part of it is just what you talked about. That you know, David Dahl. I'm just less and less concerned about him, uh, even when he you know may be able to come back being. Uh, a threat to Reynolds playing time. And, and I think, and I do have a theory. I have no idea how accurate it is, but he's got his highest pull rate in three seasons. So mm-hmm. pull, he was not pulling the ball a lot the first year with the Rockies. So he wasn't really taking full advantage of the park factor this year. 12 of those 17 home runs are at Coors field. So it's not like on the road that he's got this, you know, crazy, uh, you know, it's a good pace of home runs, but not not a crazy pace. But he absolutely does have a crazy pace of home runs uh, at home. So I think, you know, that in combination with a 47% pull rate, which is pretty high, um, you know, I just think he, he may have made a conscious decision to, to take advantage of the venue, mm-hmm. and it, it seems to be paying off. So that's that's my theory, and I'm sticking with it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's worked for Daniel Murphy and Matt Carpenter in the past. So, hey, ride it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about Wilbur Flores? He also had a four-hit game. No home run, but uh, two doubles and a triple. Uh, this at SunTrust Park against the Braves. And he is on one heck of a hot streak. He Over his last 12 games, uh, he's been playing very regularly and batting four nineteen with a pair of home runs um, to go with uh, those doubles and the triple. 
uh, and he's starting again today. There's a lefty in the lineup, so he'll, he's shifting over to first base. I'm sorry, lefty, uh, uh, I believe it's Jaime Garcia today uh, yep. for the Braves. Yes, it is Garcia. So, um, you know, he gets to stay in the lineup that way. But, uh, I mean, yeah, so do you trust, I'll you know, kind of throw the same question by you on Flores. Do you trust the playing time, and do you trust the production uh, given the playing time? I think so. What and, and he's he's actually in one league where I lost Cesar Hernandez. I picked him over Perella just because um, I had a little more faith. Plus, and uh, that's a uh, league where there's limited pickups, and his eligibility all over the infield might help me uh, mitigate some of the future injury issues that just seem to crop up. But um, the the spike against right-handed pitching this year, I think, is what's of most interest. Um, he's 28 for 71. Uh, in his last at-bats against right-handed pitching with six doubles, a triple, and three home runs. So that's been the big key. We all knew he could hit southpaws. Uh, and when Garcia on the mound, he's batting third today, uh, which increases his value there if he, he hits up higher in the order. But uh, that's, you know, in May, he had the third-highest batting average with 60 plate appearances behind Carlos Correa and Marlon Gonzalez. I mean, what kind of year is it in when we're looking at Gonzalez and Flores as breakout guys, but they're, they're both making adjustments and you go back to May 1st, Flores is hitting 390 since then. So it's not like it's just a couple of week thing or a 12 game thing. You know, the, the improved playing time and the Mets actually using them against right handed pitching has allowed him to blossom a little bit. So uh, I'm in on Flores right now, especially with the uh, increase on base percentage as well. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I think he's, uh, you know, maybe a little bit underappreciated and underrated still at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that you could maybe say the same thing about Edwin Encarnacion. And I've been a little bit surprised that uh, it, it, when I get questions about trade offers that, you know, he's still being viewed as, you know, sort of being at a discount. But over his last 20 mm-hmm. games, batting 329 with seven home runs, got one of those home runs on uh, Saturday and actually Friday and Saturday home runs for uh, Encarnacion. So uh, I know we got ahead to break, Greg, but uh, when we come back, talk a little bit maybe about Encarnacion's value, and then we'll get into some of the uh, pitching performances from uh, Saturday as well. Uh, you got Steven Matz making his uh, season debut. Alex Wood, as I mentioned earlier, back off the DL. Sean Newcomb making his major league debut. So a lot of really, really interesting pitching performances to break down as well. So lots to still get to here. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. And my guest for today from FanRag Sports is Greg Jewett. And uh, before Greg and I break down some of the big pitching performances, uh, get in our two cents about Edwin Encarnacion, who had a big game on Saturday. Let me tell you about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It is your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Will help you stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wire wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a roto scientist. They will help you set the ideal lineups every single week. And for this season, you also get a built-in training staff with your new 
injury with their new rather injury advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in season fantasy baseball package right now and start soaring to the top of your standings. Enter the promo code free radio at the checkout for a special discount. So, Greg, uh, right before the break, we had uh, talked about Edwin and Carnacion. And actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to get right back to that, <laughs> interrupting myself uh, for two pieces of news here. Uh, John Carlos Stanton is expected back on Tuesday. Uh, does this change anything for you in terms of your likeliness to start him this week? Um, I guess I'd fire him up. I just It's funny because I read a tweet from Clark Spencer saying that it was still really small and he didn't have much range of motion, so they weren't sure when he would return. So maybe uh, after some uh, treatment today with the, uh, the nice ice machines that they have now, with the game readies, uh, he's feeling better and there's a better range of motion. But, uh, you know, you know, if I own Stan, I'm probably playing him, and I love him hitting second. So, and that's actually helped Yelich get more stolen bases with him going out of the three-hole. So uh, it's it, it'll, I'll play him. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to wait as long as I can until lineup lock on Monday. <laughs> Because no, I feel like I've been burned before, especially this season with, you know, oh, yeah. so will be expected to be back and expected to be back is different than will be back. So I'm, yeah, I'm slightly encouraged, but I'm, I'm, I'll have to be, I'm a little gun shy now uh, with, with that particular wording on it. And then uh, as expected, just to follow up on the earlier note, I'm a Chaniger, He has been activated off the, uh, the DL. And while there is no lineup out yet for the Mariners, uh, I'm seeing now uh, in a tweet from MLB Network Radio, Jerry Depoto saying that Hanniger will be in the lineup today against the Blue Jays. So that's great news for daily and for uh, weekly mm-hmm. leagues. So now back <laughs> to Edwin Encarnacion, who went two for four with the home run on Saturday. Um, that's now back-to-back games with home runs. Seven home runs over his last 20 games with a three twenty nine batting average. Um I mean, do you think that this kind of closes the book on Encarnacion as a trade target, or um, you think that maybe uh, we as a community are still sleeping on him a little bit? Well, I think with the explosion at first base this year, when you got guys like Lomo hitting 17 home runs, and, you know, we talked about Alonzo earlier, uh, Justin Smoke's breakout year, I think people have been a little, you know, spoiled at the position. So those who had Encarnacion might be still willing to deal him if you if you traded one of those guys and offered him up. They might just look at the season stats and not the recent results, and he's still may be able to grab him. Um, it was encouraging, too, to see Encarnacion hit a home run off of uh, a southpaw this weekend because he hasn't really been hitting them this year. So, you know, and Cleveland's got four on tap possibly next week. So it'll be – or this week, excuse me. So, uh you know, I still think there's a little bit of time. It just kind of depends on uh, on the owner. It can't hurt to uh, kick the tires. Yeah, and I don't think so either. Uh, and I have to admit, I was among those that really was ready to, to discount him with, uh, you know, him being one year older and change of scenery and all that. But, uh, you know, it's, have to be taught this lesson over and over again, I think, about players who are, you know, maybe past peak, but not, uh, you know, not in, in steep decline just yet. Uh, let's let's move on to the pitchers, and I would say a mostly encouraging season debut from Steven Matz. Um, mm-hmm. Seven innings, which is one run allowed on five hits and one walk, but just two strikeouts. I mean, if there's just a reason at all to be a little wary, two strikeouts with five swinging strikes. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, which which part of the line has has caught your uh, attention the most? Uh, the amount of innings he got in, so at least he remained effective. So if he can if he can mitigate contact and maybe increase the strikeouts as he builds up arm strength, um, I think that's what owners have to be hoping for. Yeah, uh, no, I, I would agree too. Yeah, the seven innings to me, uh, the pitch count, uh, which I, I think was like around ninety nine, I want to say, uh, close to a hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I found that very encouraging and a little bit surprising. And um, the thing about Matts is that he's not a big bat misser. I think he's got some nice strikeout potential because of good command and and being able to to fool hitters into not swinging. Um, so I'm not that worried about the strikeout total, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I found it to be very encouraging. Now, Alex Wood back from a pretty brief stay on the DL against the Reds. Kind of typical fare for him in that he struck out seven batters, didn't walk anybody, but only lasted five and two-thirds innings. But he did give up three runs on five hits in this one against the Reds. Um, do you think Wood has lost any value between the start and the DL stint, or you think it's just all systems go? No, nah, and I was watching that. That was a little bit of a quick host by Roberts. Wood got two people on base, and then he brought in Josh Fields, who really doesn't put out any fires. Um, and, and that's so he, two of those inherited runners that Wood had on there scored when Fields got on the mound on the uh, three-run home run by Devin Mezzarocco. So I almost think he would have been better off letting Wood face Mezzarocco, but, you know, that's why I'm here and David Roberts is in the in the dugout. But, um <laughs> You know, the seven strikeouts is what you what you have them in there for anyways. So, you know, the three earned runs, I, I don't think it's anything to get too worried about. Health has always been the issue with Wood, not effectiveness. Yeah, uh, especially this year, that's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Sean Newcomb, while we're going to stay on the, uh, the topic of, you know, debuts and returns. Well, this is a debut uh, for Newcomb, major league debut. And I did not see this one coming. And, and I may be in a minority because mm-hmm. people were very, very excited about Newcomb getting called up. Uh, and again, this is just, you know, for a double header. So who knows if, if Newcomb actually stays up, but uh, against the Mets six and a third, one run on four hits, two walks. And the one run was an unearned run and seven strikeouts. The strikeouts, not a huge shock for Newcomb. Who's had, you know, big mind blowing strikeout numbers, you know, up and down the minor leagues, but he's had major control issues and just two walks yeah. and a good uh, strikes thrown ratio in this game. So, you know, what, what do you read into this? You think he stays? You think uh, he can repeat this sort of performance if he does stay? Um, I'm cautiously optimistic, but as you hinted at, I did the biggest shock on Twitter was everybody's like, well, Newcomb come up and he's throwing strikes everywhere. That, that wasn't really in his profile. Um, so, you know, maybe getting to the majors and seeing the big ballparks and the, the allure of not riding on buses anymore. Uh, might have inspired him, but I think he'll be up and down if he does stay. But I'd rather have him in there than Bartolo Colon at this point. But, you know, Atlanta's yeah. got to manage control and other things that are going on there. So, you know, if they don't have a lot to play for this year, they can still let him work on the control a little bit more, AAA, and make Newcomb force them to call him up, say, at the end of July. But, uh, again, cautiously optimistic. We'll see how they handle him. Yeah, well, and uh, he fared better than Matt Wisler did in the other half of that doubleheader. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if if one of them earned a chance to, you know, uh, sit in for Cologne, uh, it would seem to be Newcomb. And I have, I have a, a mm-hmm. almost totally unfounded theory about this with Newcomb. Um, part of my uh, 
skepticism about Newcomb coming up had as much to do with a conversation I had with him uh, as it did with, with his actual numbers. Because I, I was fortunate enough, I, uh, when I was with CBS, uh, I got to go to the All-Star game uh, a couple years ago when I was in Cincinnati. So I got to talk to guys like Kyle Schwarber and uh, Aaron Nola and, and, and Newcomb and several others. And, um, you know, if they were there for the Futures game. And I asked Newcomb about, you know, his walk rates. And he was totally unconcerned. He said, no, nope, doesn't bother me one bit. And I have to wonder if maybe, you know, I, at the time, it just struck me as really worrisome that he didn't care that he was, you know, he had all these high walk rates. But, you know, me not being the athlete, um, you know, maybe there's something for me to learn here that, you know, maybe it's just he's just very confident and mm-hmm. he's just letting his stuff, you know, do, do its thing. I don't know. I yeah. find it interesting. So we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, he's see, got see his play, Garel. Let him rock. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, by the way, also uh, in that doubleheader, Robert Gisellman with a very nice start. And uh, the, the Mets are thinking of going with the six-man rotation for a while. So Gisellman making a, a good case. Uh, six and two-thirds scoreless innings on three hits and two walks with four Ks. So nice start for him. Jeff Hoffman mm-hmm. with yet another very impressive start. This one... At Wrigley Field against the Cubs, six and a third, just one run, eight strikeouts and one walk. That's all been, you know, pretty much par for the course for for Hoffman. Also, just four hits allowed. Uh, but the one number I keep coming back to with him in every start, not very many ground balls. And overall, so mm-hmm. far this year, a twenty nine percent ground ball rate. But um, you know, he's not allowing very many extra base hits at all, and. This is where the StatCast data is nice because I learned from that that he's averaging or batters are averaging 306 feet per fly ball against him, which is very, very low. I mean, anything under really 310 is pretty low. Um, So you think he could just kind of keep skating by with what appears to be soft contact on fly balls? Uh, We're going to find out. Um, (laughs) He hasn't started as much at home, so we'll see how it yeah. happens there. Yeah. But uh, it, it could end up being like a chat with thing where you have to start him on the road and you kind of see the matchups when he's at home and just do your best to manage him. But, you know, the, all the DFS people scared me off of him yesterday because I was on him because they were like, oh, the wind's blowing out at Wrigley, and he struck out eight. So I'm still kicking myself on that one. All right. And uh, we got to head to break. I really want to talk about Mike Fires, but I also we really need to talk a little bit about week 11, which is just around the corner. So we'll get it all done in the final segment. So come back with us for that. Welcome back, everybody. This is Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Uh, with me today as my special guest from FanRag Sports, Greg Jewett. And uh, important lineup note to get to before we try to squeeze in uh, what we got left here. A lot, lot still to talk about. But Lewis Brinson in the Brewers lineup leading off. Leading off. My man Eric Sogard has been bumped down to the seventh spot. Keon Broxton is in the uh, lineup also in center field. Interesting, interesting lineup there for the Brewers, but uh, happy day for Lewis Brinson. Uh, Yeah, but we don't have much time left here, Greg, so let's uh, get to a few important things. Mike Fires with a really, really nice start against the Angels on Saturday, seven and a third, 
one run that was unearned on two hits, two walks, and eight strikeouts. It's a really beautiful line there for Mike Fires, but he's he's the Fires has been hot. So if I talked about Justin Smoke being hot on Thursday's show, we got to complete the set here. Uh, hot Fires last five starts, uh, two point four eight ERA. Uh, lots of a healthy fly ball rate, which is typical for fires, but only a 23% overall hard contact rate. So kind of the Jeff Hoffman syndrome here. Do you think fires could keep this up? Well, I have to hope so because in my home league, I got outbid on Volquez, Farmer, and Newcomb, and I wound up with fires for a paltry $3. So fingers crossed. Ooh. All right. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, I think it's a good, you know, a, a good inexpensive play for sure. Uh, well, with the time we've got left, I think there's some really fascinating matchup implications for Week 11, some players to start that you otherwise might not have uh, considered. Um, so I know the, the Phillies, Angels, and Indians in particular have some interesting matchups. So maybe you can break that down for us, uh, Greg. Let us uh, know uh, what what is the nature of those matchups and who are the winners and losers. Uh, all, all those teams are facing a bevy of southpaws in the week ahead. So on the Angels, uh, you were tweeting about them the other day, and I was actually writing about them at that exact same time. Uh, C.J. Crone, <laughs> as long as the Angels leave him alone, should be in a, in a good spot. He's got two home runs in his limited at-bats against – I remember he had a grand slam against the southpaw a couple of weeks ago, and then they demoted him the next day. Uh, he must have done too well. But uh, his 502 ISO against lefties, even though it's a very small sample size, uh, makes him an interesting uh, cheap flyer for the week ahead. Uh, and his man Pujols, he's, Pujols is hitting 170 against lefties this year in 51 plate appearances. So uh, in the league where you might own Pujols and you might want to bench him if you have the roster space available and put Crone in for the week ahead, the Phillies with Howie Kendrick getting guaranteed more playing time when Hernandez out, he's got a 276 WRC plus against Southpaws. Uh, he's hitting a ridiculous 533 and walking 21% of the time against them while striking out 5%. Cameron Ruffle benefit this week. Uh, he'll push Andrew Knapp to the bench a little with four southpaws on tap. Ruff's hitting 325 against lefties with a 225 ISO. And Odebel Herrera has actually been a little better against southpaws this year, and we give him credit for. Um, and, you know, I, I always think Tommy Joseph, he gets priced high in DFS. You know, he's boomer bust, 320 ISO against lefties, but he's also hitting 125 against them with five home runs. So if you're playing Joseph, just be aware that the average might suffer if you're if you're just trying to get the power. Uh, as for the Indians, Austin Jackson comes into play, and Daniel Robinson's leading off today against Quintana. So those are two cheap outfielders that you can get in there, and that will limit uh, uh, Zimmer and Chisenhall in the week ahead with all those southpaws on the mound. And you want Jan Gomes in there, too, 306 ISO against lefties with a 942 OPS. Uh, and, and also with uh, uh, Maven getting back, he'll probably be hitting atop the lineup. So he's another name to keep in mind. Well, that was pretty impressive, Greg, because I think we're just about out of time. And that's a whole lot of, of, of great advice there in a very short amount of time. So, uh, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for the great insight and advice. And we will be back tomorrow. So uh, please join us. We'll have uh, Ryan Davis on the show talking Cubs. So have a great weekend, everybody. See you tomorrow.